Hello guys and welcome back to another edition of the Leadership Download. My name is Travis Van Dusen. I'm back here with my friend Cameron Singh and today we have a very special guest, uh, Cedric LaFleur. Cedric LaFleur, he is a motivational and empowering senior executive for over 30 years in, uh, in various fields in the healthcare and in leadership and the sports industry. Uh, more importantly, we have a relationship through the John Maxwell team and he is a, a stellar leader making a big difference in the world today. So Cedric, thanks so much for taking a few minutes for us. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to, to be here and have a conversation with you today. Absolutely. So our subject for today we want to talk about is, is really centered around the idea of diversity in the workplace. You know, in a, in a recent poll, 80, they said that 80% of employees are looking for diversity and inclusion as an essential factor in their workplace. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people are still missing out on what, what is truly diversity. Um, in some cases, I would say it's almost become a buzzword or overused word with not a lack of understanding. So Cedric, what would you say is diversity and inclusion in its, at its core? Sure, yeah. So and I believe that it's more than a buzzword, Travis. I believe that it's a transformational movement. You see, if we if we take transformation, right, it, it is it means change, right? So I believe that DNI, diversity and inclusion, means to change from unequal representation in both the workplace and the boardroom to um, a, a widespread um, uh, uh, representation. And and, and we'll, we'll dive into what widespread means because um, it means more than just race, right? Uh, when we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion, but to be inclusive means to include people who are different from the norm. So if if the boardroom is filled with all white men, diversity and inclusion means to get rid of some of those white men and bring in diverse talent, whether that's gender diversity, racial diversity, ethnic diversity, there's tons of categories of diversity, and we'll, and we'll talk about all those things. Um, but when you, when you think about it, you, you, you see, we all normally will hang around people that are like us. Mm-hmm. When we think about our, about our ideology, we, we want to be around people who think like we think, right? right? Um, you don't naturally just say. I'm going to go over there and be with the people that think differently than I think. That's just not the natural thing for human beings. And it, there's, at its core, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But what we're saying is in the workplace, we need to be more diverse and inclusive. It's a global economy. And if you want to be a global organization, right, then you're not going to have all white men everywhere you go, mm-hmm. right? So when you lived in the Caribbean, there's there there are uh, there, there's a subset of, of people that are that are Caribbeans, right? Uh-huh. But then you have uh, other other people that are there as well. They all want to have a seat at the table. Everybody wants to be heard. If you go to Europe, 
right? You're going to have uh, a, a subset of people that are uh, all alike, and then you have other um, uh, other cultures uh, that are there as well. Well, the same thing in, in, in the workplace, right? Unfortunately, for so long in America, um, uh, it, it's been, you know, white men have really dominated um, career fields. That's just the way it has been, right? Now, um, with diversity and inclusion, we're saying, hey, let's get equal representation. Let's get other people with other ideas and different thoughts and opinions, uh, people from different backgrounds, different experiences, um, different cultures to help us be that global company. See, when, when I think about it, like, I think about it like this. Diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance and belonging, though, is dancing like nobody is watching. <laughs> you see, there's a difference in, 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 in all three of those things. So that's why I say I think it's more more than a buzzword. It, it's a transformational movement. Um, and uh, right. We're at a time now that um, even though from my perspective, we've been talking about it for a long time in society. They, they're starting to talk about it more now. And I think it has to do with millennials and um, it's gonna continue with Generation Z or the iGeners that we call it because they are a more inclusive type of uh, generation than, than other generations have been. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that definitely uh, brings a, a little bit of a better understanding to us. So, you know, we focus on the leadership download primarily around leadership. So, you know, kind of diving into that first question is what does an inclusive leader look like? What are some of the attributes that you you would expect to see in a, in a leader who's trying to lead with this kind of new mindset? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great question, by the way, Travis. Um, inclusive leaders are people who I think who are accept different thoughts and different opinions um, that are different than their own. Right. Inclusive leaders are people who are not afraid to be different. They're not afraid to do things differently. Right. Inclusive leaders are people who are willing to be influenced by those people that who are not in the norm. The, to me, that's the that's the essence of what of an inclusive leader. Um, uh, that's what an inclusive leader is. Uh, so in other words, they listen a lot. They ask questions a lot and they try to understand people with different viewpoints a lot mm, that's good cameron you, you, you want to take the next question yeah um so now that we've just gone through the attributes of what an inclusive leader is um now what are the some of the components of an inclusive workplace or environment yeah and that's a that's a, it's another great question right there's a laundry list of things uh, that um, that are um, uh, components of an inclusive environment, right? So when we look at just people, right? You, you need to be thinking about people from different um, family status statuses, right? You need to be looking at people of different genders, different educational levels, military service, personality styles, language, race, ethnicity. And ethnicity, you know, that's culture and country, right? Because mm -hmm. those are those are different things: sexual orientation, disabilities, age, generational um, 
um, uh, generational ages, right? So you got your traditionalists, your baby boomers, the Gen Zers, uh, yeah, Gen, Gen Xers, that's the generation I'm in, now millennials, and then coming right behind them are the iGeners, right? And then um, people from different backgrounds and experiences. So you, you have all of those categories or components that need to make up a, um, a workforce, right? So, but when we think of larger companies, we'll say, well, we have some of those things in there. Yes, you may have it normally in the frontline employees. Mm. We're not necessarily talking about frontline, just in frontline employees. We're talking about in, in leadership positions, in the, in the boardroom, Right. People who can make decisions, hiring and firing decisions, really, is, is really what we're talking about. Yeah, you make a good point there. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I want to ask you is it's it's a great challenge when someone transitions from that front line to their first leadership role and um, creating that diverse and inclusive environment can be can be quite the challenge, especially if it's someone like from the millennial generation. So how does a person of, of that age or you know, a person in their 20s into a leadership role um, create that environment? Well, they have to be willing. Um, they have to go into it knowing that they, just like they wanted a seat at the table, <laughs> they have to have other people get, get a seat at the table. See, when I was in charge of part of sales organization for this pharmaceutical company, um, I knew that I had a responsibility um, to the black community to help other black um, professionals um, ascend uh, the ladder. I also had an obligation and responsibility to help other black professionals get into the organization, you see. And um, so um, I, I took that role and responsibility very, very seriously. And whenever I had an opportunity to make a hiring uh, decision or if I had an opportunity to make a recommendation to another uh, one of my peers, another hiring uh, leader, then I, I, I did that. Because um, if I don't help other black people get into and and I'm going to I'm going to stay right here first and then I'll go to minorities overall. If I don't help other black people get into an organization. Then who else will? You see, they're like me, so so I need to be helping them uh, get there, pulling someone up. Don't forget that. Um, but when I look at uh, other minorities, right, whether it's Hispanic or, or women, I did a lot of hiring of um, minority groups um, in the organization, right? Because it's not just about bringing up all Black people into the organization. It's about helping a minority because I know how it feels to be on the outside looking in. Right. But I also on the, on the other side, I, I, I want people to understand when we say that it doesn't mean we exclude white men, for example. Okay. Cause I've also hired many of those uh, 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 pe people in that group as well. Right. Because I also remembered that, Give an example. When I was in the Air Force, I was a young airman. I was stationed at Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls, Texas. I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but I was living about 15 miles from the base. Well, it would be kind of hard to walk back and forth 15 miles every day, right? <laughs> no matter how good a shape I was in in my <laughs> clinics, right? So 
uh, I, I would get this taxi cab and this guy would come and pick me up in a taxi cab. And for a couple of weeks, it was the same guy every day. He was a white guy, older guy, and we would have good conversation for those, those, those two weeks. And um, eventually he said, so you're going to be riding with me every day then. Back, he said, I'll bring you to the base and pick you up. And I said, yeah. He goes, and you're a young airman. You can't afford that, right? I said, I can't, but I don't have, a, I don't really have another choice. And he goes, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He goes, because we've had a lot of good conversation and I think we've developed a friendship uh, in these last two weeks. He says, I'm going to give you this rate and I'll pick you up every morning and I'll pick, I'll bring you home every afternoon. You see, that man didn't know me before those first two. He didn't know me from a hole in the wall, just some black kid showing up in his cab, right? We developed what he said was a relationship. You see what happens? When you develop a relationship with people, now use everyone communicates and people connect. Well, we were connecting. And he, he didn't have to do that. But he said, I'm going to give you this rate. And then I'm going to pick you up every morning and I'll drop you off every day as long as you can pay that. Perfect. I, I, I got it. And I never missed paying him. He, he, he waited for my payment on, I forgot we paid on, we got paid in the military on the 1st and 15th or 15th and 30th. Whatever it was, that's when he waited to get paid. You see? So my point is he helped me and I never forget that. Right? So it's not, hey, don't hire white men. No. It's just also help hire minorities in the organization. So. That's good. I, I think there's something to be said there because I, I definitely have learned this lesson in my life is that people, not necessarily race, but even different ideologies. Right. Um, when you begin to have conversations with people, that starts leading to a little bit of a deeper relationship where you know them beyond the surface. Yeah. Suddenly all that, all those, those preconceived notions that you've built about that person are gone and you get to see the person for who they are. And then suddenly that you don't, you don't see everything else that you were clouded with before. And it, it makes such Absolutely. a difference. Absolutely. I, would, I wouldn't be married to who I was married to today. Had I not <laughs> took the time to actually get to know, uh, them at a deeper level because sure. I had so many preconceived notions of not just not just race but nationalities and all the different things that are going on in the world. Um, but you get past and get to the person, it just makes all the difference. That's sure. that's so huge, and that kind of leads me into the the, the next that kind of the next subject part is you know is that stereotyping. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a tendency that's built off of. You know that that cab driver could could easily have stereotyped you the first time you sat in his cab. Sure, but after a period of time, he got to know who you are, Great. and suddenly a different opinion develops. But you know, um, what, as leaders, as decision makers, as hire, hiring and firing power, um, how does stereotyping and assumptions, you know, really flaw our judgment as leaders? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to answer that question, we got to look at the definition of stereotype, right? Just so that the audience understand what we're talking about. And a stereotype is a mistaken idea or belief um, of a person or a thing or a group based on an outside uh, appearance or outside opinion or belief uh, system, right? That that more than likely is, is untrue or it's partially true. Um, true. 
all right? When we look at stereotyping people, it's a type of prejudice because we're looking at the outside part of the person versus who that person is at their core on the inside, right? So now, but this gets into bias, unconscious and, and, and implicit bias and, 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 and all this type of stuff, right? Now, we all, as a human race, every person on the planet has some type of bias or we, we stereotype a person. And when we look at, at, at bias, you know, one of the things that um, implicit bias or unconscious bias, right? It's this attitude um, or, or stereotype that affects your understanding, affects your actions, un, uh, un, uh, affects your decisions about a person and, and sometimes in an unconscious manner. I'm gonna give you an example. Say right now, someone pops on a screen and they have their face all tattooed up, all right? Oh, they got earrings in their nose and the big earrings and guys, right? Big earrings with the big old holes in their ears, right? All three of us will come up with an opinion in our head mm -hmm. of that person, right? That's unconscious bias. It just happens naturally. Everybody has it, they do it, right? Another example is a, a young black man walks down down the street, right? <laughs> and your first reaction is, I'm gonna move to the other side of the street. See, it's a bias, it's a bias response, right? It happens. Now, um, a, 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 another example is, I may pull up to the red light and I see a homeless person. Or, I don't know if they're homeless or not, a person that's, um, you know, can shaking, right? Mm -hmm. I come up with, um, and, and let's say that person looks young. I come up in my mind with what I think that person, who I think that person is, right? Stereotyping, that is unconscious, implicit bias. Um, and so it, we all have it. We just have to learn how to, um, how to control it. And we have to learn how to um, bring it into our consciousness when we're actually when we actually do it. Um, another example is um, I was in a, uh, and this happens a lot to me, conversation with a white person about finances, right? And when I'm having that conversation, I I can see the responses and also the body language is like, eh, they're looking at me with like the third eye. Eh, I don't know. That might be until they find out <laughs> that I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> all of a sudden, mm -hmm. it all changes. Now I'm the expert. Now I am you know, everything that I said is validated and, and, and there's all this type of stuff, right? That, that's a, that's stereotyping and it's a, it's a bias that, that people have, right? Whether it's right or wrong, it is what it is. And you just have to, um, we all have to learn how to deal with those things. Now, what we shouldn't do though, um, is we shouldn't, um, uh, just because someone has that that unconscious bias, we shouldn't down that person. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said earlier, we all have them. 
It's just a matter of how I how I see. It. Could be writing your family, right? You you see the 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 the, the young niece or cousin come to the family outing, and she has the little tank top shirt on with the little skinny skirt, high heels. You already thinking something in your head mm-hmm. about what she's doing and where she's coming from and all this type of stuff. How does she come here with this on and da 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 da? Does she know that this is a family environment and right? It's a bias that we have, right? Mm-hmm. She could just like to dress like that and has no other baggage with it, right? But it happens, and we just have to learn how to uh, control it. That's so good, you know. So just kind of move, keeping on this whole idea of of the bias and assumptions. You know, what would you how what are some of the ways that you can begin to kind of unearth some of those biases? Because I find especially like, you know, amongst, you know, people I interact with a lot and we that we get onto the subject. And uh, this is a subject that's often talked about in my office here um, is, is is trying to understand, OK, we know it's there. But how do we become consciously aware of it? How do we how do we start fleshing it out where I can start seeing when I'm doing it and 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 then start. And acting, so it's because you've said it's pretty much it's 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 gonna happen naturally. So it's not like trying to stop it from happening. It's more of a okay, it's happening now. How do I fight against it? Sure. Yeah. Well, you just have to learn how to control it. It's it's it, 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 it's it's going to be there. It's a part of human nature. Uh, it's going to be there forever. It's one of those things that it never goes away, mm-hmm. right? So what we have to do is. Um, make sure that we don't let that bias impact our hiring and firing decisions, our punitive decisions on a person, right? So Travis, I let you go um, in terms of let you off and give you just a slap on the hand. When you do something, another person that is a different race and uh, or they have, a, it could, could be a different gender, right? Mm-hmm. I slam the hammer down on them when they do it, right? So I, I have to I have to understand that and have to make sure that I don't do it, right? Because it naturally it it naturally happens to a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cameron, any thoughts? Yeah, one of the things that just came up um, you know in one of the earlier questions is oftentimes I've seen as, as um, the, being a young leader in the aviation industry, uh, and I'm sure Travis has experienced this, and I'm sure you have as well, Cedric, is um, people define themselves based on how they were raised, what their race is, what their gender is, or where they came from, what their status is with the low income, and they say, hey, you know, I came from from this. I'm never going to become that CEO or never going to become that leader. And they often limit themselves just because of who they are. Um, how, how do you tackle this uh, as, as a leader? Yeah. So this is one of those things that you're, you're absolutely right, Cameron. There are a lot of people that go through life thinking that I can never rise above my circumstances. Right. I, I'm, I've never been one of those people, but they have people that, that, that are like that. So we have to help leaders have to help those people understand that they can be whatever they want to be in an in the organization. Right. 
So you have a goal of being CEO. Maybe you never reach CEO in that company, but you go on to be CEO of some other company, right? Maybe you never reach CEO at any company, but if your mindset is you operate like a CEO, then you're going to be more successful than a person who's operating like they're just an employee, just coming in from eight to five and they punch in the clock. And they're going home, punching the clock and going home. When you start thinking like a CEO, you start thinking more strategically in your career. You start thinking more strategically for your organization, in your department, with your specific job. So now you change the trajectory of where you're going. You see, so if, if I'm a frontline employee, let's say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mechanic, but I start thinking like I'm the owner of the shop. Now yeah. I'm thinking about how can I make that customer experience uh, better? I, I try to make sure then that I, I'm, I'm paying close to all the details on fixing that car the first time. So they're not having to come back. I'm also giving some recommendations about, hey, here's some things you may to look, you may want to look for in the future with your car, right? So some things that you might want to plan to get get fixed. Because I noticed this, it's okay today, but but I'm just telling you in the future you want to, you want you want to fix that. Then I start thinking about how I can make the shop look better from a cleanliness standpoint, the aesthetics and all this type of stuff. Maybe I start reading the latest mechanic magazine uh-huh. to bring some new ideas and concepts that other uh, more successful places are, are are doing. Right. So I'm not thinking about I just got to fix this Toyota and, and go home and come back and fix the Dodge the next day and go home. Right. I'm thinking differently. So that's how every employee from the custodian first day all the way up to um, the last person right before a leadership position has to think. They have to start thinking strategically about their themselves and their business. And when they do that, they change their trajectory and it doesn't matter where they started. They become, that leader in the organization that they want to be. Cool. That's good stuff there. Um, yeah, I'm taking on the last question, Travis. Well, I was, I wanted, I wanted to add something there though, because I thought that was really good because, you know, I often hear people when you start talking, especially if you're in a, in a group of people and you bring up the, the, the subject of diversity in the workplace sure. and they're, and they're not really in tune with it or they haven't really, mm-hmm. uh, come along with it yet and you start you start throwing this out there the 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 their first instinct is that they say well you know um i don't really agree with this because you're just putting people in positions just for the sake of being able to say i've got a person uh, of different nationalities or i've got a, a person of color in, in, in a ceo position and and you're not really looking at uh the quality of the employee and i love what, what you just said cedric because you're saying you know we should you should be creating an environment that understands that you still got to do the work right. you still got to you still got to go to do get the education or you still got to do the time and the job the, the job position you're in the experience level but it's an understanding that you know 
you can pay the same price as the person beside you and go just as far as they do. And, and I think that's the point that is often missed by sure. a lot of people is that it's not about handing people jobs because I've right. seen that as well. And I don't, and, and I have to say, I think that's causes a lot of confusion, Sure, but, but we're, we're actually saying we're creating an environment where people just realize with application, with hard work, I can go just as far as anybody else on the team. And I think that's a, that's so important. Sure. And we've seen, we've seen um, uh, organizations give people jobs for years, for centuries. We, we, we see that the, 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 the CEO's son comes in the business. He just mm-hmm. graduated from college and all of a sudden he's a vice president. Right. So yeah. we've seen that for years. Right. Yeah. But nobody, nobody worried about what well, was he qualified? Oh, right. that, that's Matthew. That's that's Jonathan's son. And yeah. Oh, he yeah. He's no, no, no. Well, well no one's saying diversity and inclusion doesn't mean um, they're unqualified. Taking a, a a person that has no relevant experience and putting them in charge. Right. We're not saying that at all. Right. right? If, if, what you have to think about is all things being equal. If this job requires a bachelor's degree, then that person has a bachelor's degree, right? If this job requires a master's degree, then that person has a master's degree, right? So if it doesn't require a degree, then okay, then it's just based on experience, right? So that's that's kind of, uh, that's going to be very, very subjective then. Mm-hmm. But if it requires a certain level of experience and expertise and knowledge, we're saying all of those things are equal. Now, what you need to do is starting start putting in some diverse talent because we do know that and it's a fact is proven that when we have more diverse talent, we are a better organization because we have different thoughts and we have different opinions. We want to have people that believe what we believe, but think different thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, 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 and and. and you know, so, so I do hear that uh, from time to time, Travis, like you said, that people will say, well, you know, th- they're not qualified. Well, wh- why do you say they're not qualified? Wh- what do you mean by that, that they're not qualified? Do, do they have a degree? Oh, yeah, they have a bachelor's, they have a master's, they have whatever. Do, do they have the years of experience? Oh, yeah, they've been in this industry at, at some other company. For, okay, so then what, what are we talking about then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and I'd say if they, they, if they have a good the reputation too, right? I mean, if they have a good reputation in the industry, it's just making sure literally just taking resumes or taking experience and taking names and race off the picture and saying, who's the most qualified person for the job and make a decision. Sure. I, I love that. So before we like go to the last question, I have to ask like, ask this question for, for an organization or for, or for an individual or a leader who's decided, you know, to, you know, they're going to manage their branch differently, even though their company's decided, you know, this is not a, a mandate. What what would you say is that first step? Because I think it's so important, especially like in the aviation industry, um, where people get into this industry and it's 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 a tough road. Right. It's it's hard work. It's very it, it, it eats it's, it eats people for breakfast. I mean, it's just a tough industry. But people I often see get into this industry and I tell them, I said, look, if you can. You can apply yourself and stay in, you know, stay in this lane and work hard. You can grow. And they they don't believe that. But now I'm beginning to see it's because the environment around it doesn't doesn't show that 
there's no proof of it. Sure. So the so question you, I have for you first uh, is what industry is not a tough road? No, there's not many out there that aren't. <laughs> exactly. Every industry has a challenge. I, 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 I'm a sales guy, but I'm also a clinical scientist by degree and certification. So I believe that the sciences are the, the toughest to be in. Uh -huh. This is what I believe. Right. Is it? Who knows? Right. Um, 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 sales. I, I believe that you have to have the toughest people to be in sales because to hear that no over and over and over again, you got to be willing <laughs> to overcome that objection and, and keep going. Right. So every every career has its set of difficulty and challenges. Right. Um, however, what you have to do to help people is. You got to provide support. You have to have a good support system for that new person coming in, right? If you don't have a support system, it doesn't matter if that person comes in with 700 degrees and, and, and 50 years of experience. If you don't have a good support system for that person, they're going to fail. Mm -hmm. And that is a leader's responsibility when they hire someone is that they have support system for them. They need someone that's a peer that can talk to them about how to handle the day to day uh, job. They need to have uh, they need to be the leader to help support them um, uh, as well when they you know uh, when they're brand new. Then you also have to have someone maybe that's uh, underneath them that they can see, wow, my, that they've made progress, right? I see that new person coming in and they're struggling where I was struggling at, right? So let me go and help them, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to feel better about myself because I'm also helping somebody else. And wow, I struggled with that like, you know, Michael struggled with it. So let me let me help Michael. But then also then I have I have Cameron to go to because Cameron's my peer to go to to, to, to get uh, further assistance with uh, on on my day to day, then I got I have my leadership to go. So we have to provide support system for people um, when they come in. A lot of times you'll well, not, I'm not gonna say a lot of times. Sometimes you will see an organization when they decide they want to make this switch. Mm -hmm. They bring in all of these people, but they don't put support around them. So, for example, in aviation, there's probably not a lot of women. Right. Right. So we bring in some women, but we don't provide then the training for the men there so that they don't. Hey, cutie. And, and all of that stuff. Right? <laughs> exactly. Okay? Because then yeah. it happens. And now those women don't feel supported by the organization. I'll oh, get over it. That's that's just Johnny. That's just the way he is. He doesn't mean anything about that. Well, Johnny is is making me feel demoralized. Mm. and objectified, right? It, it, it could be I'm the only black person in the group. And these comments or jokes that were being told in the organization before I was there are still being told. Am I going to feel welcome and supported there? Probably not, oh. right? So mm. that's the that's Organization so has to, when they decide to do it, they have to also then put support systems in place and help educate people to, to make that shift. And honestly, now that you say that, I mean, I think I'm sitting here thinking a light bulb just came on and said that, you know what? 
I think that's probably one of the primary reasons why the aviation industry struggles so much is because it's such a sink or swim industry. That's true. With a lot of, especially entry level positions and people get thrown out there and they fail and they just feel uncomfortable and then they leave. Yeah. So as we just kind of wrap up, um, you know, we're moving into this last question. It's, it's kind of more of an open-ended question would be just what is your best advice for, you know, we, 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 specifically tailor our the podcasts and you know our videos towards younger leaders um and, and kind of up-and-coming leaders what what is your best piece of advice moving forward and being intentional about and have it create an inclusive environment yeah you know i, I love the nike slogan just do it right so here's the thing when you want to be intentional about building an inclusive environment then you have to just do it you mm -hmm. see, Travis, if if I want to understand um, black people more, better, uh, understand uh, who they are, then what I need to do is let me go down the street. There's a black church right down there. Why don't I go over to one of their services and get to know those people? Right. Maybe I go to a restaurant and get to know those people. Maybe I go. See, you're not going to in your environment. You're going to go to their environment. Right. You see. Um, and so you have to be very intentional when you want to do that. I, and I, I love this question because I want to challenge your audience. Go somewhere where you're going to be the minority. Mm -hmm. Okay, it, it, it could be a church, it could be an event, it could be um, a restaurant, wherever it, wherever that is, and it that could be if you want to know more about the LBGT community, right? Go to one of their events where you're going to be the minority, so you're going to get to see how they feel, right? It, it's not that they're going to say something bad to you. But you're just going to feel like, wow, I'm I'm different here. Here's how I got that experience. And, and I didn't realize it until this happened. So I was working in our global marketing organization and I had to travel. Uh, I'd go to Europe and Asia, Latin America. I was doing this all the time. But the first time I went, um, I don't remember if it was to Europe or to Asia. But the first time I went <laughs> and in the airport, they said, if you are a foreigner, you need to go to this line. Mm -hmm. I felt totally different and awkward because I was used to traveling in the United States all the time and I wasn't a foreigner. You see? Yeah. yeah. So then I went, oh, wow. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay. So, so now... Now I, I'm used to this in, in when I look at just the, the the black black race, but for any person, if you want to know how another person feels, how they think, what their experiences are, go to their place, wherever they congregate, and um, and, and don't just go to be like an observer. Go to interact and engage. Right, then you're going to get to see. And, and feel what they see and feel. And I guarantee you, it will open your eyes. If you saying that you want to be intentional, it will help you become intentional. Wow. Right. Wow. So Travis, with you, so you're married. Um, uh, your, your wife is from, I think, Haiti, right? Haiti, yes. Okay. So before 
you um, did you date any black people before you dated your wife? I can honestly, I didn't date anybody for my wife, but no. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so here's my point. Right. So you're walking out at a, a local fair or in a mall or whatever. You, you never had to think about people, you know, looking at you differently or anything like this. Right. Maybe you're a big guy. So people look at, at you know, big men. Oh, that's a big guy. Something like that. But it's still not um, uh, one of those things like if you're um, of a different race or a different culture and people right. look at you. Right. So, but now when you go out with your wife and your kids, I get I bet you notice certain things that you didn't notice before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens a lot uh, with, uh, and I'm not saying it happens a lot to you, but I, I know that that this it just happens, right? So you've experienced that, so it's g- given you a different set of awarenesses, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same thing that we're talking about for for anyone if they want to be intentional about it. You want to increase your level of awareness. Go to that other side. To experience it. That's so good. You know, I can remember um, I lived in Haiti for five years when I first married my wife. I, I was working and, and living down there. And and I really didn't. This didn't come to me till I actually got back here. And me, Cedric, we've had a couple of discussions that kind of spurred this thought. But I can remember, you know, Haiti being an, an all black nation. And here I am, uh, this big, tall white guy <laughs> walking down the streets. And, and I can remember I had a couple of friends who were expats down there. And one of the frustrations we often had with communicating with the community was they automatically made assumptions about you. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, so, so this is kind of what it was like a little bit on the reverse side of you walk into a room and there's all these immediate like things that you're like super frustrated about because you assume all these things about me, but you don't really know me. Exactly. And, and it was kind of like, that's kind of a picture of, you know, what a lot of people of color and different nationalities deal with a lot more often. And uh, so I think it was actually, it was an eye opener once I realized, okay, that's kind of what I went through for five years. Everywhere I went, I had to break through the, the stigma. I had to break through the, the first, the first in, you know, impression and, and get to know them before they would stop assuming all these things about sure. me. Yeah. Yeah. But let me, let me help you out though, Travis. Cause I, don't say it's kind of what I went through. That's what you went through. Yeah. Okay. Right. Embrace it. it. It's okay. It happens. Right. Be comfortable with it. This is what I experienced. This, the exact same thing that these people are experiencing. That's what I experienced. Right. I, in, in, in the circle before I retired, <clears throat> there were not many black leaders in the pharmaceutical industry. There's still mm-hmm. not a lot of them. And when I would go into a room, you know, I'm either sometimes the only one or one of, you know, three to five. Yeah. Right? Um, so it, it happens. And um, we have to, um, we got to figure out how to change that. And we have to be intentional about it. Um, I, you know, I'm more experienced now and, 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 um, and I've accomplished a whole lot in life. And so I'm, I don't get up as, get, um, as uptight 
about it as I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know that it, all I'm doing is frustrating myself. Some people are, some people are never going to change, right? right? Some people are going to look at Cameron and they're going to have a certain thought in their head and they don't know Cameron from a hole in the wall, right? They're just going to see Cameron and they're going to say, Cameron, they, they may say, you know, from the Caribbean, they may say he's from, um, you know, he's Hispanic and they don't even know, but they're going to make the assumption, right? Because of his his, his skin color and, and his hair, right? And they're going to have a certain uh, thought in their head. Well, Cameron can't walk around being upset about it all the time because it's just going to kill him. And those other people are just going to feel that. What he has to do is just continue to be a great person, add value to people, and um, and 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 know that you're never going to change everybody. So you only change the ones that want to be changed. And that's yeah, why. I and you hit the nail earlier. It's it's all about cultivating those relationships and embracing one another. Because if, if you let your stereotypes and assumptions get in the way of you trying to get to know someone or get getting to know your team and, you know, n- leading a diverse team of different ages, different uh, nationalities, uh, if you don't value each and every person on your team for who they are, then it's, it's, it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. It becomes very, very um, difficult, different and difficult. And, um, but I'll tell you what, um, I always had diverse teams. Um, I, I remember one time the organization did a, um, did a reorg and, um, they took my team and, and no, not, not just my team. They did it to all the teams and they mixed it up and all this kind of stuff. I ended up with an all male, white male team it, with the exception of, I had one, uh, two Hispanic guys and one lady. Everybody else was white men. I had a meeting at my house. We all were in my media room. I pulled up our team picture on the on the big screen, and I said, "Guys and ladies, this is gonna change in a year." I said, "Now I'm not telling you that you any of you are gonna be fired because you're not, but this team." is going to be more representative of who we represent. And we're going to have a more diverse team. Now, we help some of those people find other jobs. Um, but I wanted a team that was that represented everybody. So we had more women on the team. We had um, said two Hispanic guys on the team. We had uh, we added <coughs> black ladies on the team, I was the only black male, um, and um, and then we added another white lady on the team. So we spread out that wealth and had a diverse team. I always operated better when we had a diverse uh, diverse team: women, men, Hispanic. We're 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 covering here. My region was. Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, um, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. I, I, in Texas and New Mexico and Arizona, I mean, 
Hispanic population is really, really big. I need mm-hmm. to have someone that's going to represent those that culture, right? Because people buy from people they naturally know, respect, and trust, right? So um, uh, it's important that we understand that when we're when it's not that people don't buy from people of different uh, another race, but if you have an opportunity to buy from a person um, and develop a relationship that's like you. You're going to increase those those odds, right? And so I want to maximize what we're going to do as a team. So then I say, then we're we're going to be represented, and we're going to rep- represent everybody. And you know, um, um, you know, it, it worked out great. It, um, I absolutely love that. I believe in having diverse teams and thoughts and all this type of stuff. Plus, I like having more women on the team anyway because women love to go run the play. Guys want to argue about whether it's the right play or not. No, no, no. I, this is the play I'm saying we're running. <laughs> I can see that for sure. I can yeah. see that for one, sure. One of the things you mentioned uh, was was a, being a minority. Oftentimes, being a minority when you walk into that boardroom or or get on the um, you know enter a meeting or now virtual meetings, uh, it can be quite quite intimidating. So, how does a leader get over that? whether it be their minority in age, nationality, uh, race, or what have you? Confidence. Let me tell you what. There's not a boardroom that I ever walked in, and I've been in a lot of them, that I ever was intimidated, right? So here's here's the one thing. I, 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 when I was in the Air Force, we had to do a lot of things. Um, I was at Barksdale Air Force Base, and uh, we had a couple of generals, two-star generals on base, and, and, and when they spoke, we, we moved. And I, when I left the military, I said, look, if I can deal with a two and three star general, there's I, 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 there's nobody else. I don't care who they are. I, I'm not going to be afraid of them. And so you got to have confidence. So there's a hospital. I'll never forget, Cameron. That's a great question. Um, hospital I walked into. I'm going to leave the hospital name out because I don't want to do that. But this hospital I walked into and, and the rep had a great relationship with them and and they only heard of me, but they'd never met me before. And I walked in and she introduced me as her manager. Still all white staff and all white leadership team. I will never forget their eyes. They went, oh, wow. They were surprised that I was the manager, right? <laughs> and I will never, ever forget the looks on the faces of those people, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it didn't bother me. Here's what the pathologist asked me. First words out of his mouth. Why would I ever call you? And I said, well, f- number one reason you're gonna call me is because I'm a certified, board certified clinical laboratory scientist. And the second reason is because I'm a great sales guy. And he said, your first answer was, perfect. Now I know I can trust you because he, he now knew that I was one of those lab people. Right. Um, so you just got to have confidence in yourself, right? If you're, if you're in that position, obviously somebody believed and trusted in you. Mm -hmm. So now you have to go represent the organization and have confidence in your skill set and what you do. And if you don't, if you're, I was telling a young man this over the weekend, if you walk into an environment and you feel 
intimidated, what you do is instead of telling a whole bunch of stuff, because you can be telling the wrong thing, ask questions. Yeah. You see, now what I'm doing is I'm getting information from you and you're talking more than I'm talking. And with me just asking you questions, you're going to leave the conversation feeling that I know what I'm talking about. And all I did is ask you questions. I didn't give you any information. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how you flip the script on people. I love it. I love it. Well, before Cameron wraps this up, you know, Cedric, how can people get a hold of you or, or you know, find out more about what you do um, if, the, if people wanted to get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. So you can uh, follow me on, on social media and it's uh, and I'll give you guys that. It's Cedric, uh, C-E-D-R-I-C-K, LaFleur, L-A-F-L-E-U-R. Or you can just go to our website uh, at LaFleurLeadershipInstitute.com. And um, that's how you can reach me. Everything about me is there. My story, my journey. I'm a guy that got married at 19 years old. My wife is 17 years old. And in October, we're going to celebrate 35 years of marriage. I'm a guy that was broke, bankrupted, and couldn't be trusted from a financial standpoint. And now I sit here with, you know, $3 million network. I'm a guy that, um, um, you know, always wanted to go to college and, and I did go to college and, and got my degree and got some certifications behind me and all this type of stuff because I believed in myself. I believed that I had something greater in me. I wasn't born into wealth or anything like this. I didn't inherit anything. Um, so, but I had a confidence in myself and I knew that there was something greater in life out there. And then I decided to go get it. It didn't matter about if I was, you know, uh, this black kid growing up in South Louisiana. It didn't matter if I got married at 19. It didn't matter that I didn't have any money at the time. None of that stuff mattered. All that mattered was I knew that I had a dream and I wanted to go get it. And I'm going to tell all your audience, if you have a dream, all you have to do is then have the will and, and put the actions behind it to make it happen. And that, that's that's what I did. If you want to hear about my story, you want to see it. It's all on my website. Uh, nothing I said today um, is not already public and, and on my website. And with me, I'm going to tell it straight like it is. And um, it is what it is. And some people are going to love it. Some people are going to like it. And some people are going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, so that's great. I mean, I know I definitely I learned a lot uh, during this session and, um, you know, kind of taking it all in. You have to go back and take notes on this. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I, I really hope. You know, thank you, Cedric, for for being on this podcast with myself and Travis. And um, I really hope for those watching that this really helps kind of start that discussion, whether it's you uh, in, in your leadership or it helps start the discussion within your organization that this is something that uh, is of great importance and that should be focused on. Um, so I appreciate your time, Cedric. Thank you for, for being a part of this. Uh, I really hope this adds value to everyone and uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast. Thank you.